The following podcast is intended for general information and entertainment purposes only. It should not be substituted for professional medical or psychological advice. Before beginning or changing a treatment plan, please consult your local healthcare professional. Here we go. Welcome back to Bio Psycho Socially Distant. Mm-hmm. As I'm, a- I'm having <laughs> wine for once. Oh, good for you. I am, as usual, having a cocktail in a can. Look at you go. That's all I have is wine. I love wine. I actually, I actually don't have any wine because I bought. <laughs> okay, you know the 19 Crimes wine. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a Snoop Dogg wine. What? which was hysterical. So I said, it's a Snoop Dogg one. I guess I I should probably own this. So I bought it and it was like a blended red. It was pretty good. Actually, it was a little sweeter than I tend to go to in a red wine, but it was delicious. Um, So I didn't buy my usual closet box of Boda box of wine. So I bought the bottle and the bottle is kicked because I bought it a while ago. I have Boda Box. Actually, I have two Boda Boxes in my fridge. I look like a wino because I thought one of them was empty and it was not. It was not ready. You had to tip it. You had to tip it. Do you take it out of the box and like squeeze the rest of it? I should. Oh, you know, easier, honestly. Oh, I do that like at the like at the ends. I just like because I don't want to put liquid in my garbage. So I mm-hmm. squeeze the rest of it out and it's always more than I think it is. And I'm like, oh, that's a that's a lot of wine. Uh <laughs> Uh-huh. That's a Which lot. Of, a good thing. That's a lot of wine. I'm going to be annoying. You're, you're get no, you're getting all of your money's worth is what mm. you're doing. Not wasting anything. Yeah, I have uh the Litchfield Distillery cocktail in a can. Mm, those are good. Those are so 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 good. So today we actually are doing our first kind of duo joint episode where we both research and uh learn about the same topic. Yeah, so this is kind of like a test run. Maybe we'll do it again. Because there are so many. We both watched the same documentary multiple times in my case, and I believe in yours. Um, The first time I watched it was like right when it came out. So it was a couple of years ago or a year ago or something. Looking back, I think I've seen it before or I've seen parts of it before or Mm -hmm. I've seen some sort of 2020, 60 minutes. I think I had seen like a 2020, I think, in my research. um, I did see that there was a 2020 episode, and I think that's what I watched. Um, So we watched the HBO documentary. You can also get it for free on YouTube. I don't know if it's legal for me to say that, but... Well, um, you're not the one who put it on YouTube, so... I'm not... Yes. um, It was free with advertisements, which I think is kosher. Um, It's called Beware of Slender Band. It came out in 2016, and it was put on by HBO. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, So tonight we're going to discuss our findings. Uh, If you want to check out the documentary and hear what we're saying along with us, please enjoy. But we'll also kind of explain what uh, the story is about along the way so you don't necessarily have to. But it is really good and it is under two hours and it's a pandemic and we're all basically homebound. And what else do you have to do? And if you're listening to this podcast, you probably like true crime documentaries. So Correct, correct. Or just documentaries in general. I would love to do 
more of the HBO documentaries like Mommy Dead and Dearest. I think that would be mm-hmm. a good one for us to do. That was a good one. That was a really, really good one. That um, That's about Gypsy Rose um, Blanchard and mm-hmm. uh, murdering her, well, a co- being an accomplice and murdering her mother, Dee Dee. But w- that's another podcast for another day. Now we're going to yes. get into Slender Man. Yes. The Slender Man slaying, as they call it, even though nobody died, thank God. Nobody died, thank God. Or I, the Wikipedia page is called the Sl- Slender Man Stabbing, I believe. Oh, okay. That's more appropriate, I think. Um, I'll set the scene. So this takes place in Washakock County, Wisconsin. And in my physical written notes, I wrote out phonetically how to say it, and I didn't put it in my notes, which was stupid. Washa County, Wisconsin. Definitely a Native American word. Yes, it is. And it took place in 2014, and it centers around three 12-year-old girls, Anissa Wires, Morgan Geyser, and Peyton, nicknamed Bella Lautner. I'm glad that you said that because I didn't write that down. Like, I have their names, but I wasn't as detailed as you are. You know, I I do the best I can. Um, (laughs) So in May, uh, May of 2014, it was May 31st. Peyton Bella. I just I I just called her Peyton throughout this. Her nickname is Bella. I'm just gonna call her Peyton for the sake of argument. Um, was stabbed by her two friends, um, Anissa and Morgan, in order for the latter two girls to gain favor with the Slender Man, a creepy pasta modern day boogeyman, if you will. And how old were they, Jordan? Twelve. Mm-hmm. They were 12 years old. They thought that they would be able to go live with the Slender Man in his castle if they basically offered up their friend as a human sacrifice of sorts to prove their loyalty to him. And I'm actually going to let you go into a little explanation on the Creepypasta Wiki because you did some research on that. <laughs> so, well, first of all, I also want our listeners to kind of put themselves in the mind of them themselves at 12 years old, right? Mm-hmm. So we're definitely going to go into the mental health side of this, mm-hmm. but consider how, like where you were developmentally when you were 12 and consider, I don't know, I might've actually, I might've gone over this, but the most important thing when you're 12 years old are your friends and being social and things like that. So um, I don't know about you, Jordan, but I was really into certain, as we call them now, fandoms. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it was probably like Harry Potter at that point for me, <laughs> which is pretty harmless. I was I was desperately trying to grow out my bangs. Um <laughs> But um I mean I've been a lifelong fan of horror, so sometimes my mm-hmm. interests have been pretty dark. I've never wanted to harm anybody ever, but you know, I don't know. I liked musical theater. <laughs> Well, that too. Sweeney Todd was perfect for me. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was, I was real. At that point in my life, I was very meek. I was a lot more shy. I was a lot less self-confident than I am now as one would tend to be when they are 12. Mm-hmm. You're trying to find your way in the world. You're trying mm-hmm. to fit in. You're trying to find community, be supported, blah, blah, blah. Right. So what is a creepy pasta? I don't know. Well, you can find it on the shelf next to the Barilla. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it, that was a dad joke. Wah, wah, wah. I love Barilla. It is my favorite. I love pasta. Just pasta in general. The The term comes from copy pasta, which comes from the term copy paste, right? Obviously. Oh. Something that 
we all do on the computer. Mm-hmm. And a, a copy pasta is a paragraph or so of text that you copy and paste on the internet. So there's a lot of really funny ones. People will use them to troll other people or to, to trick or prank other people because the pe- people who aren't familiar with it will think it's like a real response and they'll get upset. <laughs> I've seen some pretty funny reactions that I probably shouldn't have laughed at because anyways. So a creepy pasta is just like the scary story version of that. I find them absolutely fascinating as a concept because I think that they're pretty close to being some sort of merge between urban legends and fairy tales, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's really just horror literature. I mean, it's it's amateur um, authors online sharing scary stories. Okay. I went through a period of time, if our friend Jill is listening to this, she was there for it. Um, I went through a period of time where I was like obsessed I am a writer myself. I write creatively. I love reading other people's writing. I'm very critical of other people's writing, especially my own, my own more so. Um, but I was really into reading these stories. And some of them are really brilliant. Some of them are really well written and fleshed out and fantastic. Some of them are really bad. And for whatever reason, kids in about Morgan and Anise's age group, 12 years old, really latch on to the bad ones. I don't know what it is. I guess that's, I don't know, your taste is still developing and growing if we think of what we were into in our adolescence. Well, the thing is, we think it's bad probably because it's really superficial and really cliche almost. And that's probably what you you latch on to when you're younger because you can only deal with the black and white and the concrete. Right. You're not thinking, and you have such limited experience of the world. Sure. So you're relating to those very basic um, character traits and tropes, story tropes and stuff yeah. like that. Um, rather than, you know, me reading George R.R. R. Martin and being like, wow, Cersei's such a great character because I love her and I hate her at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> That's not happening in a lot of these stories. Um, so yeah, long story short, a creepypasta is a scary story that gets copied and pasted around the internet. Um, some of them are good. Some of them are bad. A lot of them have developed their own sort of um, fandom. And by that, I mean, like, Imagine groupies. So if you're not familiar with the word fandom, it's basically groupies for certain different, I don't know, media, I guess. Um, There's a Harry Potter fandom, like I said before. You know, there was like a whole big Sherlock fandom. That was a a huge thing um, when that show was on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Which is which is fine, and it's sort of because it's in such an accessible platform, it's really easy to inject your own opinions and thoughts and hopes and dreams and even in your yourself into these stories and that is that is fine that is totally fine just don't hurt other people right and i i think that's what there's actually a a writing trope called a mary sue Mm -hmm. um and a mary sue is is like a a term for like a self-insert so when you think of twilight is a really good example yeah twilight was it twilight wasn't twilight didn't that start as fan fiction I, I actually don't know the answer to that, but I know that it has a big fan fiction following. Yes, or it did, anyway. Or it did. Kind of old news at this point. No, sure. what, you know what I'm thinking of? Fifty Shades of Grey started as Twilight fan fiction. Really? So the character, the main character, I forget what her name is. I never watched the movies or anything like that. I, I did in, not either. 
in the Fifty Shades of Grey is a self-insert. It's a Mary Sue. So the Mary Sue tends to be like perfect for the main character so they can have a romance with the main character, things like that, you know. Mm -hmm. So if it were uh, using one that most of us were familiar with, if it were Harry Potter, it might be a girl who was has a troubled past like Harry does. Maybe her parents died too Mm -hmm. and she understands him and, you know, things like that. Yeah, so it's the absolute perfect, you know, so it's it's who you would ideally be in this world. Right. And I think my theory is that the reason why younger kids kind of latch onto this horror genre is because they're feeling very misunderstood and they don't know who they are. And that's expressed, I think, through these characters and these horror stories. And usually these people in the horror in, you know, the... I don't even want to say the protagonist, but the main character, because, you know, they're not necessarily a good person. They're very often othered. Right. Exactly. They're the underdog. Even with the Slender Man, he's faceless and an outcast. And so do you have in your notes at all where Slender Man originated? He originated in 2009 as a part of a Photoshop contest. Right. And on a which forum was it? I think some was it something awful? I think it might have been. I can't, it, I didn't. I actually did not write that down. I just saw that it turned into an urban legend and had a lot of fan art spinoffs, and it was picked up by Creepypasta. That part is really interesting to me as well because it kind of makes me think of like maybe Stephen King, definitely H.P. Lovecraft. Um, I mean, Slenderman himself mm-hmm. has some Lovecraftian um, features <laughs> to him. <laughs> He is kind of an eldritch horror, um, but so it was. It started as this the character in a Photoshop contest. He was just like this this figure lurking in the background mm-hmm. um, of a photo of children playing in a playground. Yeah, and people fleshed him out and developed him from there. And because people were writing all of these stories and creating this art, he developed all of these features and a backstory and all of this stuff that. You know, from just a photo, which is interesting. That is interesting, actually, because it was just a photo. And it was actually a pretty good Photoshop. You know, it looked, it was was very well done. And that was kind of the whole point of, are the girls, are those the girls? Yeah, we're going to have to wait for her to stop. (laughs) (laughs) Clover, what do you have? That's her mouse. (laughs) Oh, she ran around with a mouse in her mouth. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. All right. So let's jump into this. So I kind of started as the documentary started um, with a background of the two girls that had committed the crime. This documentary is the majority. It's about the the backstory of the two perpetrators. There's not a lot about um, the victim of the crime, which for its intents and purposes is kind of the. I mean, it's fair. I think at at the point that they recorded the documentary, the crime had had happened fairly recently. So they, I don't think that they really wanted to either the family declined or they didn't even want to ask or they didn't want to talk to. Right. So this is sort of more about motivation and what caused this to happen. So we're not minimizing um, the victim of the crime at all and only focusing on the perpetrators. Right. So Morgan and Anissa Morgan, um, they spoke to her family first. Her mom was really, really sweet. She was just like any parent would, was trying to rationalize and try to figure out the root mm-hmm. cause of what happened. And she was saying, I should have known because she wasn't sad when she watched Bambi. 
Mm-hmm. And then I, I kind of like thought back to the McDonald triad when we were, yeah. when we discussed that and we're trying to get away with the signs of a serial killer way of thinking. It's really kind of a multifactorial thing. Yes. Um, and so, and what it all boils down to is, you know, while Morgan definitely had some mental health issues, you can't kind of boil it down to, well, she didn't think it was sad when Bambi's mother died and she was you know, yelling for Bambi to get away, which is, I guess, what she was doing. That's not an abnormal reaction. She said that Bambi's a baby, Bambi's a baby, and she wanted the baby to be okay. Right. And I think, I think it could, I mean, it could communicate her difficulty. Um, People say that sociopathy is a, a demonstration of like a lack of mirror neurons, meaning you can't understand other people's emotions. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's actually true if that's based on real research or not. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, c- it could very much be that she has no empathy. It could also be she doesn't understand what's happening. Because d- I mean, did you understand what was happening when you watched Bambi as a little kid? No, I really didn't. I never watched Bambi as a little kid, That which was good because I watched that clip and I wasn't happy. It's, it was a lot more disturbing now as an adult, I think. It is. It was way more disturbing as an adult. And you know, you look at the sads, like, I think the Lion King is a lot sadder now as an adult than I ever right. did when I was a kid. And again, um, it's that the fact that you and I both have had a lot more world experience. Sure. And had a lot of firsthand experience with grief and things like that. Mm-hmm. That makes it easier to understand. Oh, I watched the end of It's a Wonderful Life last night. And I have seen that movie thousands and thousands of times. I have an It's a Wonderful Life tattoo. I love that movie. I was sobbing at the end of it just because as I get older, you relate to the main character a lot more than you do when you're younger. That's right. You know, it's just your perspective changes. So, you know, while she, you know, might have difficulty empathizing, I don't think she lacks, you know, just going through this document, I don't think she lacks empathy completely. I think it's very rare for people to have empathy. I just think she was, you know, neurodivergent. And I know mom says from a young age, Morgan didn't really care what other people thought of her. And I kind of wondered, I wonder if she would have been diagnosed with autism, maybe. Um, often misdiagnosed in girls because there are different signs. Mm-hmm. And mom does say, you know, I don't, I didn't think it was strange that Morgan developed an interest in horror because I liked that stuff too when I was a kid. Yeah, I mean, personally, uh, the first time I watched, okay, so I, I blame this partially on my mom and partially on my wonderful English teacher that I loved when I was in, exactly their age. I was yeah. twelve years old. She purchased a whole bunch of um, monarch caterpillars. Mm-hmm. And we were going to watch them turn into butterflies, but she assigned them each a famous author. And so we like by random lottery got assigned um, a caterpillar that was linked to an author. And mine happened to be Stephen King, right? (laughs) Really great for a 12 year old. No, it's sure. And so my mother was like, yes, I think. And she with me watched the movie Carrie. I love that movie. She also, with me, watched the movie Silence of the Lambs, which is one of her favorite movies. Um, And I'm saying that because I also think it's totally normal for for kids that age to have an interest in horror, but they need to be closely monitored because it contains so many themes that you can't necessarily understand at that age. Right. Silence of the Lambs is a brilliant movie. I don't know if I would have totally understood it when I was younger, but it's... It's true. And kids do like fantasy and horror because it's it's kind of fun because it's scary mm-hmm. and you want to feel cool that you can sit through a scary movie. I am a wimp. 
But I also <laughs> I also think scary movies are fun, and I am probably very fun to watch them with because I'm so jumpy. Yes, probably. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's kind of like that silly being afraid. It's when there's no disconnect to this is make-believe versus this is reality. Right. So we hop over then to Anissa's dad. Oh, Anissa's dad. Oh, I have so much. So I almost... <laughs> It's all over my notes, too. I almost took a drink every time Anissa's dad talked about how much he hated technology, but then I realized it, that would be irresponsible. You, would have, you wouldn't have been able to stay up through the last part of the documentary, I think. Right. And I think, and I think the reason that he was doing this, and this is, people do this in general, um, especially when they're dealing with a trauma, and it's not the best way to cope, but it is a way to, it's not the worst, and it's a way to cope. People focus, and I just know this from experience with really sick people, people try to focus on something really minute and really tangible to blame everything on. Mm -hmm. Well, if she didn't have this iPad, this never would have happened. Right. I mean, remember, we're in Connecticut. I mean, do you remember when the Sandy Hook shooting happened? Sure. They honed in on the fact that the shooter was autistic. And it was kind of like, yes, and like yeah. most autistic people are completely harmless. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he had brown. They, yeah. Wanted an explanation. They want And I think part of it too is like, I think I would imagine as a parent, you kind of don't want to hold any blame. Sure. Um, but I think as, as an outsider looking in, you also kind of want to separate this person from you as a human being to think mm -hmm. like, oh, because X, Y, and Z is why they did this thing. Yeah. She always had her iPad, but I told her to get all, like, you know, he was deflecting right. pain, uh, yeah. blame and responsibility. And I'm not saying, I am not saying anybody is to blame for this. I think no. that's way too complicated of a situation to blame one person for but i don't know why he did the documentary in the first place he was so mad he was really mad about it he was i'm like why did you why did you do this you know didn't you just say like i don't want to i don't want to be in this and i get it you want to be like see i'm not a monster i did the best i could to raise my kid you know there's really like no good way around this mm -hmm. um but gosh he was just like you could just you can feel it you can mm -hmm. feel how mad he was. And I, I can't blame him. But the fact of the matter is, like, even if they didn't have access to this kind of technology, wouldn't they have found something similar anyways? I mean, books. Yeah, books. Yeah. <laughs> Comic books, you know, <laughs> magazines. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's something else could have very well happened. You know, stuff like this happened before the internet. You know, you look at this actually, a lot of this reminded me of, um, a lot of this reminded me of Charles Manson. Yeah, I think that's fair. I drew a lot of similarities. It was the same. It was cult of personality. You know, whether they were following um, a similar cause, a cult of personality, they found it was a bunch of outcasts that found mutual um, interest in a community, mm -hmm. and they ended up doing something horrendous. So, there, and arguably, you had a group of people that were very, very fragile, and in some cases, probably mentally ill. So you, mm -hmm. so this this is just this is just the medium in which that it happened right mm -hmm. so they kind of um intersperse the documentary with footage of the girls being interviewed by the police after the crime happened thank right. goodness mm -hmm. bella was stabbed i don't remember i'm sorry peyton just to, for for clarification's sake peyton was mm -hmm. stabbed i don't know how many times 19 
she she was able to crawl to the road and was found by a cyclist alive. Thank so goodness. they were able to rush her to the hospital and provide her treatment. And she's okay. Yes, she's okay right now. But, you know, the, both of these girls are in interview interrogation rooms mm-hmm. with police and oh my god it was so cringy to watch it was so it was there's they had no insight into what they had done there was no i tell me if you felt this way though Mm -hmm. i almost felt like it was a little bit of drama like they were playing it up a little bit i don't I, i think there's this niche of people especially when you're that age and you're trying to find your identity who will say things like I'm a sociopath, lol. Or like, um, I relate. I relate to the Joker. And it's like, no, no, very few no. people do. Right. And Todd, you're 23. You don't have a job, and you live in your parents' basement. You're not the Joker. <laughs> like, oh my god! I I actually I quoted my own note, which <laughs> said, and I quote, "Zomp, are you a psychopath?" And I did every other letter small. Yes. Yes. That's, that's, that's what it made me think of. And R, like the letter R, the letter U. That's like what it, you know, when they were looking at their, um, when they were looking at their internet searches or when the, the stuff that they looked at on the internet, that's like, that's what it reminded me of. Right. Which, you know, everybody goes through that phase of some cringy phases of sorts, but not everybody kills somebody. I think it's interesting that you said that about Morgan. I thought Anissa seemed like she was on the spectrum. I'm trying to remember which one is which. Yeah, I, I yeah, I would agree with that because I think she was a little bit more maybe lucid and able to answer things cr- more concretely. She um it, she was the one that said, "I want to know how much how far I ran yeah. or how far I yeah. went. I'm not very athletic." Right. And Morgan had asked, you know, they said, "Oh, Peyton is in the hospital." And she was like, "Oh, is she dead?" <laughs> yeah. Um how's Peyton the one who got stabbed? Mm-hmm. And she said, "It's it was nece- why'd you stab her? It was necessary." Like she was very, um, f- very flat. I had a question though. I I had a lot of questions about this video playback of the interrogations. First of all, mm-hmm. why why is a lawyer not present for these children? Or exactly, a, and or their parents? Because I know you know yeah. I know legally their parents are required to give consent, but I thought that the parents could sit there during the interrogation. It really bothered me. And what also really bothered me was that they, they read both of the girls their Miranda rights. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is not a critique specific to this police department. But in general, if children are going to be charged with crimes, that we need to write the Miranda rights in a developmentally appropriate way. Because, yeah, sure, good point. you know, you're saying like you have the right to remain silent, blah, 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 blah. D- does the kid actually know what you mean by that? Or are you just reading it and telling them to sign their name? And then that begs the question, do adults that are being read their Miranda rights necessarily know? Because people on average, what is it? Like, what's the average, like an eighth grade reading level or a sixth to eighth grade reading level? Well, and believe it or not, there's a a certain police department in our state that has a, a, a history of not providing interpretation for people who are not native English speakers. So they'll read the rights in English and the person has no fucking clue what they're even saying. Great. Thanks. I hate it. Mm -hmm. Are you shocked? I'm not shocked. No, no, of course not. Um, That's, that's really, I actually wrote the same note as well. I said, can you read Miranda rights to a child? And I said, yeah, you probably can. Why don't they have a lawyer? Because the kid isn't going to think to say, can I get a lawyer? And 
let's add to the fact that anytime that you're questioned in this kind of a way, you should have a lawyer present. Like you should. Yeah. Police, I was just listening. I can't remember what podcast I was listening to where they made a really good point that police bank on the stigma of having a lawyer present as, you know, oh, if you call a lawyer, that means you're guilty. They're banking on that. Yeah. Because you don't have legal counsel now and you'll slip up, you know? Right. And being questions in this way, it's not a normal conversation. No, not you at all. you need a lawyer. You need a lawyer present. I agree. That, I agree that their parents should not be present because that could probably sway them. But I do think right. there should just be a lawyer present. Uh, add to the fact that a lot of children a are afraid of thor- authority figures mm-hmm. and b really want to just um, please adults. Like they want to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. So if that means telling them what they want to hear, they may be doing that. Yeah. Or in their case, they thought they were you know, they thought that they were pleasing Slenderman who doesn't exist. So they didn't think they did anything wrong. Right. Fucking Slenderman. Fucking Slenderman. One of the things I noticed um, is that they kind of go back and forth between who, who, who had the idea. Anissa, Morgan says, oh, and Anissa had the idea and she, she knew Slenderman. Like what? Were they on a nickname basis? Slendy. That's what I got out of it too. And that's kind of, Anissa was a little bit more stable than Morgan. So I kind of tended to think it was her idea. And she had the one who was a little bit more unhinged to do the actual stabbing. I had wrote down a, a conversation that they said happened between the two of them. So mm-hmm. Morgan, hey, Anissa, we should be proxies. What's a proxy, Jordan? Can you explain that to our listeners? Um, yes, I actually wrote it down. A proxy is a follower of the Slender Man. Um, and Anissa goes, how do we do that? And Morgan says, well, we have to kill Peyton to prove ourselves worthy. Um, and then I quoted, if you're a proxy, you live in Slender Mansion where all the creepypastas live, which is also really cringy. It's in, Nicolette, <laughs> it's in Nicolette National Park, which just happens to be where they live. Like who decided that? It actually isn't. I actually, you know, I Google mapped this, right? I'm sure. I think I did too. It was five hours, like a five hour. I, I'm just going to find it in my notes. It's in their state. Like it's closer to them than it is to us. Correct. It's a five hour drive. Mm -hmm. And these girls thought they were walking there after they stabbed their friend. Right. Yeah. Right. I can't, I, I, no, No. (laughs) I did Google it after it was, uh, I think it was Anissa's dad said it was a five hour drive and I fact checked him. Uh, and he was, he was right. So then they interview a bunch of like experts on folklore yep. and memes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I just said, these older men are me using Zoom. Ba- basically. Um, I learned about a lot about the Pied Piper. Yes, that was really, oh my God, I have a lot to say about that. So they interview a guy who calls himself a digital folklorist. I would love what? to chat with him. <laughs> I think that that's really interesting. I had no idea that was an area you could study. I did not either. Um, darn it, I went into nursing. Well, he's he's the one, I think, who basically, to simplify it, relates Slender Man to the Boogeyman, which exists in every culture, sure. history, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, so they talked about the Pied Piper, which, I, which was very, very interesting. So the Pied Piper is a... I'll I'll explain it quickly as a folklore um, about a piper who came to town that had a really bad rat problem. And he said he could get rid of them if they paid him. And they said, sure. So he piped and then all the rats came out and followed him out of town off a cliff. Um, So 
they the town stiffed him. The town wouldn't pay him. And he said, F off. And he played the pipe again. And then the kids came out of the house and he led the kids off the cliff. So interestingly enough, the Pied Piper is theorized to have been a recruiter who found locals to migrate to a new area. So that was kind of the explanation for the children leaving was that it's more like there are no jobs, there's no food, there's an opportunity in the next village. So Mm -hmm. we're taking all of the next generation, we're taking all of your children so that they can have an opportunity somewhere else. Or another theory is that it was a Christian faction who murdered pagan children during their pilgrimage into the hills to celebrate Midsummer. I took it as um, pay pay people for the for services rendered. Well, yes, but they're <laughs> they're thinking like this is how it was watered down over the years. Gotcha. Um, it, it's kind of like a stand-in for what it actually was, right? And that's kind of the thing with folklore is that it's really like watered down to a message. You know, don't let don't always look in the backseat of your car so no one's in there trying to kill you. Uh, women shouldn't be left alone. It's like all that like cautionary tale. Exactly. Um, They also interview Richard Dawkins. Mm -hmm. Um, He coined the term meme. Really? Yes, he did. Um, Which was meant to convey something that is replicated and becomes part of a culture. Um, The internet is a way for memes to spread like wildfire. Mm -hmm. They use the example in the documentary of planking. Yes. Oh, yeah. I was going to say there was a weird planking ice bucket challenge montage. Yes. I would also, you know what else I think is, uh, I've, I've always thought this was interesting that, um, do you remember when we were kids? Well, actually a first example is the, the, the cool S that everyone draws. Yes. That was before the internet, but every child knew how to try knows about it. So I think that that would count as like a pre-internet meme, a pre-me meme. And then the other one is. That, do you remember that song? I believe I can fly. Yep. I got shot by and the FBI. <laughs> All I wanted no, was a chicken wing. Yes, it was, but everybody knew it. Yes. <laughs> it's another one. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so we talked about the serve. We did the zomp. Are you a psychopath? Um, oh, and I wrote down, take a shot if you're playing the Anissa's parents hate technology drinking game. Um <laughs> Morgan's mom, I think, makes a really good point. She says, um, kids can't necessarily differentiate from reality from fantasy. So sure. as a parent, where do you draw the line? Right. Yeah. You don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be the Santa Claus truther. Right. But you don't want your, you know, you don't want your kid to jump off a roof thinking they can fly. Right. Because R. Kelly believes they can fly. Kids don't <laughs> listen to R. Kelly ever. Oh God, um, the fucking worst. The worst. Um, who is not the worst is Mr. Haynes, Anissa's teacher. He made me really sad. Oh, he was so sweet. He wished he could done more, which was, you know, uh, list that under things that people in caring professions say because they feel really guilty. I said, why are they asking her fourth grade teacher like this poor man has any clue why this happened? <laughs> no, oh my gosh. No, and he wrote, no, and she wrote in his yearbook that he was like a second dad. And also they play a weird clip of The Sims 2 for some reason. Oh, oops. I missed that. I missed that. I probably didn't know what it was. Stands out for me, The Sims. People, well, I think a part of the reason is that people use it a lot for role-playing. Like they'll create little stories. Yeah. Um, in The Sims. Yeah, that's true. That's very, very true. And then Anissa was able to... Um, have a phone call with her dad and some friends. Why is a former inmate there? 
What do you mean? When you remember when Anissa called? Yeah, no, I know. I know what you're talking about. But what do you mean? Why can't he be there? What? Like how did? How? How? How did they? How did? So he got out, and he is hanging out with her dad now. I guess maybe he did something really minor. Okay, but that seems. I don't know. That was off. That was <laughs> off for me. I was like, wait, what? What? Um, I said Anissa's friend Maggie, who is 12 going on 40, tells us that Anissa didn't fit in. She was a follower and that some kids are just believers. They believe whatever they hear. Bless. She, I know, she had very, very good sense. Dad had a really hard time interacting with her, which granted calling your kid in prison is weird. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably something they never in their lives expected to do. No, 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 no. Morgan also almost sounds like Luna Lovegood to me. I hope this pudding... I know you see them, Harry. I see them too. Yeah, she's yeah, she's kind of like that, you know, the the manic pixie dream girl, but you know, in real life, and yeah. it's weird. Yeah. Except we love Luna Lovegood, and we mm. we don't like Morgan. No, no, and Morgan leaves Snape out of this. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I knew you would say something about that. Um, poor Snape. Poor Snape. We'll get to that. So it all comes so. The night of the crime. All right. So the cry, the breath of day of the crime. Um, they went to a sleepover at Morgan's house for Morgan's birthday. The original plan was for them to stab Peyton at Morgan's house. Holy crap. Right. Yeah. Because what is it? What was the reasoning? Oh, based on Anissa says the investigator, based on what I've read, it's easier to kill someone while they're asleep or unconscious because if their eyes are open, you can see yourself. Yes. And we, they got murder advice from creepypasta. Yeah. Like what? No. What? (laughs) So, so that didn't work out, which think I, which, so they're going to, so what are like parents walking to the room? What are you doing girls? Oh, we're just killing our friend. I, 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 yeah, you could have knocked me over with a feather. So, like, th- what, you, you and I used to go to sleepovers where we would stay up all night and fucking like do scavenger hunts. Why couldn't they do that? I mean, we did try to resurrect the, you know, the composer of Rent once, but whatever. See that there's a difference. No one died. Exactly. Uh, so. <laughs> so the next day rolls around. Morgan grabs a knife from her kitchen takes it with her and they all go out to the park which is fine mom which is completely innocuous like the park's right down the street mom's like yeah sure it's a nice day go have fun at the park it's appropriate yeah i think i walked to the park with you know my friends when i was 12 sure that's fine in keeping with the murder 101 creepypasta page which apparently exists um they tried to knock out peyton they tried to hit her head so she would pass out didn't work Oh, that's good to know, Jordan, when we tried to murder someone. You know, try to knock somebody. They were trying to do it in a public bathroom sitting around the toilet. They were really bad at this, which is good. Um, they were 12. <laughs> that is good. So then they had her lay down saying that they were going to play hide and seek and they were going to try to hide her under leaves, I believe. Right. Um, after they slammed her head into a well. That would have been the point where I went home, but but, but not necessarily. When you're young like that, you don't want to rock the boat. Right. Again, um, it's about it's all about being social and being with your friends and fitting in and stuff like that. So I yeah. can see why even if that happened, she was like, um, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm just my head hurts a little. So Anissa told Morgan to stab her, stab Peyton. Morgan apologized right before doing it, you know. Morgan meowed at her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
And Nisa told her to go crazy and Morgan and me, oh God, bad. Which beside the stabbing is you and I after too many drinks. Um, and then they, the next thing I want to get to is they talked about, you know, so this obvious, so this obviously happened. Um, so Morgan, uh, Morgan stabbed um, Peyton 19 times, not fatally, thankfully. Um, and they ran off to go walk to the Slender Mansion five miles away by car. They were going to walk. And um. I also, um, mom at this point in the documentary says, you know, I explained the birds and the bees and periods and the way your body changes during puberty. And Morgan's response was, mom, I don't believe that really happens. So mom was like, she seemed so naive, not like someone who I would have to say, don't kill someone too. Uh, right. Well, when do you ever think you're going to say, right. you know, don't um, kill somebody? Tyler, who is the, the guy that you were talking about before. Yeah. Um, is totally someone we would have hung out with in high school. I mean, his hair um, is, he's got like a, I don't know, his hair is covering one eye. We, oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Possibly only has one eye. We're not sure. And he explains, you know, the boogeyman is the explanation for the unexplainable. I believed they truly believed that Slender Man was real. I'm sure they did. I don't think, I don't think this was a cop out. I think this is something that they truly believed. Right. Which doesn't Jeanette, excuse it. No. Jeanette Woolley is a psychologist that they interview. Um, and she makes the point that internet helps to muddy the waters on what's real and not real. And the girls mm -hmm. both being believers, both being believers strengthened their individual beliefs. So that's remember sure. we were talking about the targeted individual community. There was that vice documentary about them. Yes. Um, and you said, <laughs> so they get together at like, targeted individual convention where mm -hmm. like they're all in one place and the, the government can very easily find them, but Hey, you know, <laughs> yeah. And it's the, um, it's like, it's the cult of personality and it's the believers yeah. club. It's like Santa Claus every that's and that's what they kind of likened it to in like, you know, of course a very, very, very grim way, but it's true. You don't want to not believe in something because everybody else believes in them. Not everybody right. else in this case, but their friends believed in them too. And that's something that bonded them. So they needed to kind of keep this vision alive. When you're online um, and you're you really have the opportunity to interact with dozens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of other people who believe in this stuff, so yeah. it's that gives it even more power. And they show, and and I think I'm glad that they did this, but they show um, clips of videos that you can find out all over the internet on YouTube and stuff mm -hmm. like that of um, CGI or like scripted scenes that look very real. They're very right. convincing. And now I'm a skeptic. I think that every ghost video on YouTube is fake. I'm, I'm actually like 98% sure that every video uh, As you should. on the internet is fake. But I, I remember not too long ago, somebody showed me one on TikTok and he was like, look at this. It's really scary. And I watched it and I was like, I, what even happened? And he, he played it for me again. And I was like, that's not real. You realize that, right? He mm -hmm. was like, yes, it is. He was very convinced. So it's easy to trick people because, it is. because of technology, you know? And here's the thing with the internet, and this is going to come as a bummer to a lot of people. If you're looking to support an opinion that you have about something, you can probably find support on the internet. Absolutely. It's that um, uh, confirmation bias, right? Like we yep. only find opinions that agree with our opinion. Cor correct. So if you go on and 
you know, I hate chicken website, you're going to find a lot of people that hate chicken, even though probably more people than not have no problem with chicken. It's pretty, uh, it's a pretty enjoyable poultry, a pretty enjoyable protein source. Besides for vegetarians and vegans, you're going to find a smaller population of people that dislike it than do like it. But if you are looking for that opinion, you're going to find it in spades. Mm-hmm. So Richard Dawkins is back. And I'm going to tell you, honestly, I'm not really a big fan of Richard Dawkins. I think he's kind of, um, I don't know, he's something else. I'm not a fan. Okay. Anyway, he says he makes a really good point. He says that um, a meme that has great spread ability, Mm -hmm. um, like Slenderman, deserves to be called a virus of the mind. That is a good point. Mm hmm. And it's going to, and something that they brought up, it is going to affect people differently. People are going to have different perceptions and different reactions to things. And a really good way to think about it is that happens with everything. There are people that can't drink apple juice because it gives them a stomach ache. And there are people that can. There are people that are scared of heights and people that are not. There are people that you know, get really sick on roller coasters and people don't. Those are, that's why when you go, it's all relative, right? It's all relative. You you go to the doctor, they have that pain scale because a rolled ankle might be a seven out of 10 for you and a four out of 10 for me. It's completely different. Yeah. It's completely, you know, have you injured that ankle in the past? Um, Mm -hmm. How did you injure the ankle? Do you have other injuries going on? It's the same thing with mental status too. Mm -hmm. People's reaction to getting punched in the face are surprisingly varied. So back to, you know, so we talked about the folklore, you know, so we talked about folklore um, and now we're to the trial. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that has to be distinguished and has kind of been a growing theme throughout this documentary is, are Anissa and Morgan going to be tried as adults? Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? I'm so glad you asked. Um, Because I watched another documentary about uh, children being tried as adults. So, and I did link, um, I did link it in the show notes too. Um, It was really interesting, really sad and really informative because I frankly didn't know either. So there is an op- so a judge can decide to try a minor as an adult. So meaning that they wouldn't have to that they wouldn't stay in the juvenile court system until they reached of age as an adult. So for minor crimes, a child goes to juvenile hall. When they become a majority, either an, an adult, they're able to reintegrate into society. If they are a repeat offender or their crime is deemed heinous, out of the ordinary, or particularly brutal, they can be tried as an adult. Is that, um, is there like a legal definition of those words that you just use or is that kind of subjective? It's pretty subject. It's pretty subjective because the documentary I watched was everything from robbery to murder. Right. Of folks tried as an adult. I will say I, I will verbalize this um, because this was really, this was really sad. Um, A lot of the people that a lot of the minors in there were repeat offenders. Um, Some did commit murder. Somebody that was in there for murder uh, was involved in a robbery and the homeowner shot one of the people involved in the robbery and killed them. And, and in the state that they lived in, um, 
if you are involved in a robbery and one of the people involved in the robbery is killed, not by you, you can be held accountable for murder. Wow. Yeah. I could see maybe being accessory, but murder. Being tr- tried for murder. That's wow. Tried for murder. So he was a minor and he was tried as an adult for murder and had a very, very long sentence. I have some thoughts and feelings about that, but that's for another podcast. That's for another podcast. I, so that seemed like what the big difference was. You're able to carry out a longer sentence Mm -hmm. if somebody is tried as an adult because they would age out of the juvenile court. So if somebody is tried and found guilty as an adult, while they are a minor, they are not put into a prison with other adults. They go into a juvenile section of an adult prison. And once they age out of that area, um, between 18 and 21 years old, they are brought into the general population um, prison of the prison. Mm -hmm. Which depending on where you are can be well, I mean, even at a low security prison can be pretty rough for a kid, you know, who's never been in that environment. But sure. I mean, depending on where you are, you could be in Supermax, which is like the hardest of the hardest criminals, you know? Sure. And the um, the juvenile ward is a lot different. This is just from my experience of I I do enjoy a prison documentary. I'm not going to lie to you, Kayla and I both like the show 60 Days In. Yes. Um, it's way different. And it's actually way more the juvenile prison ward is way more effective in my humble opinion. Right. It actually reminded me a lot of um, when I did my clinicals, I did my psych rotation. I did it on an inpatient. uh, I was in an inpatient psych ward for children. It very much reminded me of that. It did look like a prison, but there was um, rehabilitation rewards. It was very, 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 very structured. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's what it reminded me of more than a prison, which I think is probably a lot more effective than perhaps what we have now. I'm not an expert on the prison system. I don't claim to right. be, but that's, that's sort of my, that's sort of my two cents. I mean, that. Well, again, that's another podcast, but for another day, <laughs> I've never worked with inmates, but I've worked with former inmates, you know, mm-hmm. people who have been, who were in for any period of time and were out. Um, obviously that's what a former inmate is, Kayla. Yes. Um, and the, of the people I've talked to, the general consensus is I don't want to go back because it was fucking terrifying. Even though I was technically a criminal, it was horrible. It was so scary, which isn't in my opinion, the way that we should be treating people who commit crimes. It shouldn't be like, I'm going to scare you out of doing this. Yeah. Again. yeah it was, have, you know, PTSD from this literally. Um, Right. I don't want to do, I don't want to do this again because it's wrong. That's kind of, that's what the goal is. Not, I don't want to do this again because you hit me with something. And also now I have the, I'm, I'm done and I have the resources that I need to build a better life for myself. Correct. Anyways. Anyways. And that seems like the goal of the youth of the youth. But anyway, watch the documentary. It was really good. So Morgan and Anissa are going to be tried as adults. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the judge said it was an adult crime. They tried to murder somebody. It was premeditated. They thought about what they were doing and they did it. Which was the the part of the documentary, I think, where I started to be really conflicted because he's right. I mean, yeah. it was, it was, does not look good at all. Um, no. and I kept asking myself, like, would I feel the same way 
about this if they were a different gender, a different race. I was thinking that too. That's interesting. Socioeconomic status, you know, like would I still feel like, oh no, you shouldn't try them as adults. There's poor little girls, you know? I, I mean, not, not saying that I felt like they're poor little girls. They committed a crime. <laughs> they committed a crime. But the fact that they, in what's terrible and it's true, people tend to empathize more with people that they can relate to the fact that you know that's what you and I looked like when we were right 12 years old it's relatable um we're not used to seeing little girls stab people that's right. not something that we associate little girls you know we that's something that's something we associate little girls with but you're right i did find myself doing that as well i a good thing i think yeah i think it is a very good thing I, I think I don't think it was the wrong thing for them to be tried as adults. No, I don't think so either. I don't think it day. at the end of the day, too, watching this, watching what they did. Um, and the judge made a really good point. He said they're getting older every day. And when the clock strikes and they turn 18, are they going to be able to return to society? And you don't right. know the answer to that question. And that's really what the judges have to think about. Right. I have a lot of respect for judges. I think I think that's a really, really difficult job because you truly have to be unbiased. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them aren't. A lot of them aren't. A lot, And a lot of them, surprisingly, I think a lot of them do take their job ser- seriously. And I think that it was a really good and reassuring thing because you have <clears throat> perhaps somebody that uh, is a- appointed to a high court perhaps and you have to hope that they make the right decision that's right ethically as they should it shouldn't it shouldn't matter just like Mm -hmm. you and i take care of people that we don't necessarily like right or agree with agree with yeah you don't have to like or agree with somebody to decide that they deserve respect fairness and to be treated like you know a person right so so another layer is added to this. Not only they are tried by adults, we have to decide, not we, um, it was already decided and we had no part of it. I can't believe they didn't even take our opinions into consideration. They didn't even call us. I mean, it was 2014 and we were young and still, you know, barely out of undergrad. Should Are they able to stand trial and are they not guilty by reason of insanity? So I did do a bit of a, I didn't necessarily cite this, but I did kind of look. So the reason, so you could say somebody um, is not guilty by reason of insanity, meaning they did not know that they were committing a crime or they were compelled to commit the crime by um, an unstoppable force, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, um, well, this didn't work for him, but son of Sam, whose dog was telling him to murder women. Oh, boy. He, I think they fried him anyway, so. Yeah, they did. Um, do you want to go into, just because this is sort of out of my depth, do you want to go into what Morgan and Anissa were diagnosed with? Of course I do. Yes. That was the best part of the documentary. <laughs> um, so Dr. Kenneth, Kenneth Casimir, I think his name was, mm-hmm. who is a, a, the court-appointed psychologist. So um, usually they'll have a forensic psychologist do an e- exam, I guess of the the person who wants to be use the insanity defense mm-hmm. um, and it's it's you know it's this unbiased person who is an expert specifically in doing this for the court system mm-hmm. so morgan is diagnosed actually she's diagnosed by multiple people and so they kind of have similar 
thoughts on what she has, but Dr. Kenneth Casimir says um, schizophrenia unspecified. Mm-hmm. Um, unspecified is basically when the person doesn't meet the full diagnostic criteria for something, mm-hmm. you would say they have such and such unspecified, like unspecified anxiety disorder would be someone who has anxiety that impairs their ability to function in everyday life, but they don't necessarily have all of the symptoms required to give the full diagnosis. Does that make sense? Yeah. Medically, we say like if somebody has unspecified dementia means they're not diagnosed with Alzheimer's or Lewy body or, Mm -hmm. or something else causing their dementia, they have symptoms of dementia. And what's interesting about this as well um, is that schizophrenia in children her age is pretty rare. Yeah, you should. Um, I remember very vaguely from my psych rotation that it's um, usually your first break is in your very early twenties, right? Uh, it's different early twenties. Gender. Yeah. So it's usually sooner for men than it is for women. Hmm. Um, and if I had to make an educated guess, I'm assuming that's because of brain development. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot. I think we've talked about this before, but. There's no certainty on where schizophrenia originates in the brain, um, but it's, you know, it's definitely has to mm-hmm. do with brain chemicals. She's also diagnosed with oppositional defiant disorder, which is the word that you might use to collo- colloquially call someone a, a brat. <laughs> yep. It's essentially like a child yes. who has a problem with any authority figure. So parent says, go mm-hmm. clean your room. And they say, no, fuck you, you know, might, might be a, a exhibiting <laughs> symptoms of a oppositional defiant disorder. Although yeah. honestly, I've met I've met kids who are diagnosed with this. Other people have diagnosed them with this, and I'm like, "What? This kid is fine. Like, what are you talking about?" So yeah. it's it's a little bit more than like just causing trouble in the classroom. It's a little modeled, yeah. I think Anissa is diagnosed with oh schizotypal, which is a type of personality disorder. Yes. Where some again, interesting because usually under the age of eighteen, children are not diagnosed with personality disorder really? because yeah. your personality does not solidify until you're about in your mid twenties. Correct. So you can be diagnosed with a personality disorder at eighteen, but things might change by the time you're twenty five, twenty six. Mm-hmm. So the fact that she's diagnosed with a personality disorder is interesting, but I, I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just interesting. It is interesting. Uh, of course, I I haven't sat in front of either of these girls. I don't know what they're like. I I have no way of diagnosing them. These people do. Correct. So schizotypal personality disorder is kind of... I, I do have to mention uh, Morgan's father is also diagnosed with schizophrenia as well. Right. I wanted to get into that too, but um, Anissa... So Anissa's schizotypal... Which is, it's not exactly schizophrenia, mm-hmm. um, it, but it's kind of some of the characteristics of someone with schizophrenia. So the bizarre behaviors or beliefs, they're usually like loners. There's the flat affect, um, mm-hmm. which means they don't really show emotions. Yep. Social anxiety, which kind of explains, you know, how before you said that, what did you say that Anissa seemed like? She was autistic? Yeah. So it kind of goes in line with that. It's, it's a little bit similar. I mean, people who are autistic don't have these bizarre beliefs. No, 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 no. There, that's more of like the social piece. This is definitely more, I don't know. It's more of the, the bizarre behaviors, I guess. Yeah. That, um, I was getting the autism vibe more from the flat affect and right. difficulty relating. Um, so yeah, so Morgan's dad... Right. Yeah. Yes. Morgan's dad has schizophrenia and 
when they were interviewing him, which they saved for the last part of the documentary, it absolutely broke my heart. Oh my gosh. It did. I, I wrote that in my notes too. It was just devastating. Um, schizophrenia is very genetic. I was um, going to ask you that. So if no one in your family, especially no one in your close family has schizophrenia, the odds of you developing it are pretty slim to none. Mm-hmm. It increases the closer the person gets to you in like the more DNA you share with someone basically. So, so half, right. So if your I- identical twin where you share hundred percent of your DNA has schizophrenia, you have a 50% chance of developing it yourself, if I recall correctly. Okay. And then it goes, it goes down from there. All right. That's interesting. So she's has base. If that math is, you know, if that logic kind of holds up, uh, she had a one in four shot. Yeah, I think something like that. Sounds um, fair. And it's and I it's, you know, mom, I think at some point says like, we weren't going to have kids because we know this is a genetic thing. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's not to say that a, you don't know if it's going to be passed genetically. Mm-hmm. B, parents with schizophrenia can be great parents, you know, so long as they're keeping up with their treatment and their sure. self-care. And I do, um, now that you say that, um, I remember at the beginning of the documentary, she said that the pregnancy was unexpected. Right. Um, and dad, you know, he talks about his perceptual distortions tearfully. Oh. Um, and it sounds absolutely terrifying. So he says, you know, to try and put it in perspective. I know the devil is not in the backseat, but the devil is in the backseat. It smells, it looks, and it tastes real. So that's that hallucinatory piece, right? The olfactory hallucinations, visual hallucinations in that perceptual piece of like, I I know it's not there, but I can't shake it because it seems so real. Exactly. And um, I actually, when I was in nursing school, one of our, you know, we had a digital component to our textbooks and there was a video on basically what your life would be like if you had schizophrenia like what i know what you saw we we did this once at work my my coworker um jose try he was doing trying to do a piece on um schizophrenia like a little educational presentation for us and what he did was he brought in these paper towel rolls and had one person stand on each side of a person in the middle and the people on the side were whispering things through the tube Yeah. And it was awful. (laughs) It was terrible. It's so, and it was so, and it's so isolating because it is a rare, I would call that a rare illness. And even her dad was saying, I wish I knew what she was seeing. Like I, like he almost like felt a kinship with her and said, I wish I knew what she was seeing. And I wish I knew what her perceptions were. Like, you know, like he almost was like, I, you know, like they could have had that I don't want to say a bond, really. That's what it is. He wishes he could have had that connection with her and like maybe he could support her. Right. It's it, almost like a, a mentorship, you know, yeah. like, hey, yeah. I know what it's like. Yeah. Here's what I did. Here's what was helpful for me. You're going to be okay. And maybe that's something, you know, maybe that there's some validity to that. You have somebody who's gotten through, a, you know, a even like a manic episode or a psychotic break or a depressive episode, you know, you talk to somebody who's been through it and said, you know, I'm, right. Well, that's what, yeah. that's what um, Alcoholics Anonymous is, right? Like you get a sponsor yeah. who's been in the program longer. That's true. That's a very good point. Or support so it, groups or bereavement yeah, groups. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's definitely a model that works. Mm-hmm. Why don't we use it more? Why don't people use it? I don't want to go to a support. I went to a bereavement group after my mother-in-law died. It was so helpful. Mm-hmm. 
it was so help. It's so good. A lot of people are concerned about confidentiality when it comes to groups. Sure. Which is valid. Yeah, that is valid. Um, so, so they have these diagnoses and they were both found not guilty by reason of insanity. Mm-hmm. That does not mean that, you know, they get to get walk off free, walk free. No. So they, so when you plead, when you're found not guilty by reason of insanity, you are institutionalized. Right. Basically. And also, um, add to that, the fact that the guilty by reason of insanity plea is I, it's either not put into, it's not the plea very often. Like it's rare for people it's to actually very, very it, rare, or it's rare for it to be accepted or something. Exactly, like that. it's very very rare. They were both, uh, they were both sentenced to very long stays in mental health facilities. Um, so is there, uh, I'll say that Morgan it was sentenced to a mental hospital for 40 years, 40 years in a mental mm-hmm. hospital. And Nisa was sentenced to 25 in a mental health facility. Which I think it's better than prison. Absolutely. But how much better? I know I, and it was interesting because they did say in the epilogue that Morgan was taking antipsychotic medication. Anissa, Anissa having a personality disorder. I don't know um, if she would be given any pharmaceutical. No, you can't treat a personality disorder. Correct. Absolutely. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if she had a dual diagnosis, perhaps. I wouldn't be shocked if she didn't have some sort of depression, you know, Hmm, yeah, um, that required some medication, but, but definitely talk therapy that she would need. Right. And they'll get all of that. Yes. And to be honest with you, especially the ones that they have for kids, like they'll take them out, you know, Mm -hmm. if they're stable and they exhibit good behavior that they can go on field trips and they can have special treats and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Not that I'm saying like, oh, because they're children, they deserve better treatment than people who go to prison when they're adults and are not mentally ill, because we know that there are a lot of mentally ill people that end up in jail. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's fortunate and that they did not, they were able to, because it seemed like when they were in the juvenile detention center, Morgan's um, diagnoses and Morgan's symptoms were worse. Mm Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. Which does make sense. And I'm sure that's happening to a lot of people who are incarcerated at the moment. And it makes, don't get me started. I will get on my soapbox. It makes absolutely no, like, what is the goal of putting someone who is mentally ill and doesn't know what's going on into prison and leaving them there? What is the goal? What do you expect to happen? (laughs) Nothing, nothing good is going to happen. Yeah. I think it's, it's so far removed that it's in, it's an illness. You give people their blood pressure medications, don't you? Right. You don't feed them a stick of butter. You have the cardiac diet. Right. Hopefully. Yes. So that's kind of how this, so this is how this ended. Um, Peyton did recover and is still doing well as far as we know. Um, And Morgan and Anissa are both um, in mental health facilities and they actually are able to apply for their release periodically actually starting Mm -hmm. in the, I think Anissa can, I think I read somewhere that Anissa could in 2020 and Morgan somewhat later, but they would be able to apply for their release. And I'm sure that they would have to continue with community support. Yes. I'm sure that would be condition of release if they, if it even the, the appeal goes through. Yeah. Which, you know, every opportunity that, 
somebody who has committed a crime like this, where th- where there's a victim, mm-hmm. every time that they appeal their sentence, the victim has the opportunity to make a statement, correct, and and say like, "Hey, this still affects me. You shouldn't let this person go. That's mm-hmm. not okay." Which I think is completely appropriate. And it, um, there was a similar, not a similar case, but there was a case in Canada. I can't remember what year it happened. Mm-hmm. But an, a man with schizophrenia was on a Greyhound bus, I think, mm-hmm. um, going from one province to another. Mm-hmm. And he was not stable. No. Was paranoid, um, hallucinating. And he got up and started cutting off pieces of a fellow passenger's face. <gasps> I think you told uh, me about this. I think you told me about this on the air. I can't remember how the passenger, the other passenger died. I can't remember if it was blood loss or if he was beheaded in the end, but he was uh, sentenced to time in a mental institution. I believe sure. he was released. He was released. And all of Canada everywhere was kind of like, hold up, <laughs> wait a minute. How do we know that this guy is going to do this again? <laughs> you know, like we, un- you know, the, there's the understanding of like, he was not in the same reality. You yes. know, he was not lucid when this was happening. He did. I don't even think he remembered it happened um, and was devastated when he found out. Of course. But yeah. At, at the same time, like how, how is there the guarantee that he's always going to be on his medication and is always going to be following through with things like that and is not going to do this again? They can, they can have, you can be mandated. They can have people go to your house every day and right. give you your pills. Um, and I'm not at all trying to say that people with schizophrenia are inherently dangerous. No, 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 not at all. They're much more likely to be victims of crimes. But I sure. think as we've spoken about before, when people are having paranoid delusions, like they're out to get me, everyone is the devil, mm-hmm. um, I'm being persecuted by God or whatever, um, is when the situation becomes dangerous because they feel so threatened. Absolutely. 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 <sighs> So that, oh. so that, my friends, is Slender Man. That was fun doing that together. That was so fun. We have to do that again. Do I have some ideas? I do too. Well, yeah. What uh, you know? What? I have a random question for you. What? If you could spend a month mm-hmm. living, you know, after COVID, living in a different culture, um, in a different country with people, where where do you think you would spend that one month? Um. Probably with the Maasai. Oh, that would be interesting. That would be really interesting. I would be informative, fun. I would want to, if I was going to live with another culture, I would want it to be one that was completely different from my own. Yes, exactly. And I think, I think mine would be um, like some, a culture that lives in like a mountainous region. So I'm thinking like Nepal. Oh, that'd be or cool. Maybe, like Mongolia or something like that. So again, very different. And I think it would be so cool to see how they, um, they live. I don't, I mean, not everyone in, in both countries, but you know, people live remotely and how they live off the land and things like that. Tibetan, see a Tibetan sky burial. Yeah. Tell me all about it. There we go. Yeah. That's, that was a very, very good question. You're welcome. <laughs> we would both want to go far away. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Now, Shocking, considering we've been stuck inside for the last nine months. That's true. The Maasai is patriarchal, but that's, you know, fine. Yeah. For the month, it's fine. For Just for a month, you can deal with it. Just for the <laughs> month, I can deal with it. It's fine. That was a very good, that was a very good random question. How are you going to keep yourself sane as the holidays get closer? Um, 
I think doing some, well, obviously doing self-care. Sure. I feel like that's, it's not, I don't want to say it's tired because that's uh, such an important aspect of, or it should be an important aspect of everyone's health. But mm-hmm. I think doing maybe a little bit of escapism. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, as you know, as I was talking about before the podcast, before we started recording, I just got Cyberpunk 2077, which is a video game. Oh, yes, yeah, she did, people. Um, I it, Not to go into this, but it, the release was disastrous, and a lot of people have a lot of complaints about the quality of it, but I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> You're having a great time. I'm having a great time. Um, so <laughs> I just kind of immersing myself in a different world, whether it's through a video game or a book or something like that, um, I think is helpful. That's awesome. What about you? Baking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start. I'm baking and I'm still running outside. Good. Still running. Good for you. Yep. You, won't, you won't catch me outside in this weather. Catch me outside. <laughs> How about that? How about that? Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I'm still running outside. I always have way more Yuletide depression than I do Yuletide cheer. So this is just fine for me. Um, <laughs> so it's you know what else is new but yeah i've yeah so my covid my covid hobbies include running and baking so i have four different christmas cookies that i am planning on making i bought tins and everything excellent you're prepared i am prepared i'm gonna make italian cookies butter cookies which are the cookies that come in the blue tin um that my husband loves i'm also making peanut butter blossoms what you you can Eat the cookies and then use it for your sewing kit. Yes. And uh, your favorite, the um, Oreo truffle cream cheese. Oh, yes. I'll make you some. Perfect. I'll make you all of them. You know that. <laughs> all of them. All of them. <laughs> oh, you didn't mean all of the Oreo truffles come to me. <laughs> no, I will give them. T- I'll give you one of every. I'll give you some of every cookies I make. Yay. Yay. All right, Bubby, come come bring me my vintage glassware, please. She's going to drop them I off know. to me in a socially distant, responsible way. I'm so excited. My my great grandmother had a whole bunch of lead crystal glassware that is now in my possession. And I'm keeping about 95% of it. And Jordan is getting the what did I tell you they were? I don't remember, but they're pretty. Yeah, they're pretty. That's all that matters. Brandy. Brandy glass. Brandy Brandy snippers. Yeah. I'm probably not going to use those. (laughs) And I drink a lot more straight up dark alcohol. So I will. Yes. Okay. Yep. All right, Bubby. I'll see you soon. See you soon. No, we love you guys. We oh, love- yeah, yeah, yeah. We, ha- we have to do our spiel. Where are you going? Oh, shit. I forgot. Sorry. Um, follow us on Instagram at BiopsychPod. Um, follow us on Facebook, uh, BiopsychoSocial, a podcast. Do we have a Twitter? Yeah, it's Instagram <laughs> and Twitter is um, BiopsychPod. I don't really use to. Tw- I'm in charge of Twitter, and Twitter's a cesspool, so I don't really use it that Twitter often. Twitter is a cesspool. I, um, posted a Facebook uh, story for us. Um, I did. It was very, very big of me. Um, We love you. Uh, Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Um, Wear a mask, socially distant, do your research, uh, peer-reviewed articles when you decide whether or not to get vaccinated. Catch on the flip side. Bye. Bye. Bye.